Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. Today I'm here with Keith Parrish of Fast Break Breakfast. Uh, so Keith, let me start by asking you, uh, what'd you have for breakfast the day after you went to a soccer game? Oh, what did I have for breakfast today? <laughs> I had a donut actually, uh, on brand, but not real to my life. I had breakfast this morning and it was a vegan just plain glazed donut. And I'm not vegan, but the vegan plain glazed donut is $1.75 cheaper than the regular one. I went to a very uh, frou-frou, <laughs> hipstery <laughs> tourist spot. It's really close to my house. Like the the purist is the name of the donut. It's four fifty. The vegan purist, two seventy five. I can't discern the difference <laughs> outside of apparently it has no animal products. But I got the two seventy five, uh, a glazed donut. One donut, two seventy five, and that's the cheap option. The donuts are my breakfast too. Uh, so. Oh, I can't nice. fault you, but but not but not the the frou frou, <laughs> the boring old Dunkin' Donuts donuts. Those are good. So uh, I I appreciate you con- continuing the gimmick of my show, Fast Break Breakfast. Yeah. But that's what you had this morning was the Dunkin' Donuts. That is, yeah, iced coffee and donuts. I nice. I try not to eat them. I'm I'm trying to use the off season to be smarter and better. But today I was stressed and it was like, no, I'm having donuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Uh, I asked you on to uh, discuss an exercise that we did with the Eastern Conference last week, which is try to take the second best player from each team and rank them 15 to 1 from the worst second best player on a Western Conference team uh, to presumably somebody on the Warriors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I'm interested to see who you pick there. Uh, But yeah, is it okay if we go from bottom to top? Bottom to top. That's yeah. That's that's fine. This uh, is a really this is a really hard exercise. I missed I missed your episode last week where I I I, sh- I should have listened to to prepare myself. Well, I'm gonna give you once we get a little bit into it, I'll give you some of the names for comparison's sake because it was a torturous exercise of mediocrity. It, 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 <laughs> this should be a marked contrast. But, so uh, I'll let you, you lead you, at each at each okay, level. I, I, and I then have to I'll lead off. In. Okay, so. The worst second best player on any team in, in the Western Conference. This is almost impossible. I'm picking from the Sacramento Kings. Yes. I have no idea <laughs> who the best Sacramento Kings player is. This is that's an incredible exercise. I almost I like I didn't want to spoil the premise of this episode. I almost just wanted to take it straight to Twitter to be like, guys, who's who's the best Kings player? This is this is crazy. Uh, I think. 
the best Kings player is Buddy Heald. Okay. Which, you know, it's weird. Like their best player is like a sixth man. <laughs> um Who's who's doing well in his role as the sixth man? Uh, I, I I'm not spoiler for the rest of the list. I'm not going to do much with the rookies because I don't I don't know I don't believe in rookies until I see him do something okay. uh, really. Um, so I think I'm going to go with Buddy Heald as their best player. I'm sorry, you know, apologies to De'Aaron Fox. Uh, and then I'm going to pick as my second best player as Bogdan Bogdanovich. Okay. So I don't know if that's right at all. And again, as a, as a preface to this whole exercise, <laughs> I think ranking players is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't ever drum up enough, um, I guess, seriousness to stand behind my ranks. Right. Like if someone's like, no, that's like that's idiotic. Uh, Willie Cauley Stein is better than Bogdan Bogdanovich. I'd say, oh, okay, that's 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 great. Like I don't I don't I don't argue with you. But uh, for the sake of your exercise, I'm I'm grading Buddy Heald as the best Sacramento King and choosing Bogdan Bogdanovich as the second best King and the worst second best player in the Western Conference. Yeah, I didn't tell any of my guests this. I just used this device for myself. But in order to kind of do this exercise any justice, in my mind, I said, okay, we. We start a playoff series tomorrow in the middle of the summer. Who's like right. the second most useful player in the playoff series? Who's who's the second biggest crutch for the coach? And so I was I was very similar to you. I, I put the Kings at the bottom, and I had Boyan Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald, but I thought Bogdanovich might be a little better, so I put Heald okay. as a... Uh, as my so second we, best player. We th- we think those so you and I both think those are the two best players on the Kings. Right. That's And I'm kind of right. with you on the rookies <laughs> except in the Eastern Conference I got pretty desperate so I think I used a couple. And I yeah. I got close to using one here. I think Harry Giles might be one of their two best players by the end of the season. Oh. But I again, I'm no scout, but what I saw of Harry Giles over the summer, I I, I no. am not a believer no. in his uh <laughs> NBA efficacy. I don't. I don't think there's there's, there's a whole whole lot, whole lot there. But again, I'm I have a breakfast podcast, so I don't. Yeah, you don't have to be. Don't be mad at me, Kings fans. See, that's that's kind of how I feel about. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on names. Who do they just For pick King? number two? That's how I feel about Marvin Bagley. Like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, Bagley. They have all kinds of. I mean, their their whole team is just like still first, second, and third year players, yeah. and then a bunch of bigs. So many bigs. Too many bigs. Costa, honestly, I, I, I want to change mine. Costa Kufas is probably their best player. Wow. And uh, Costa Kufas is like a decent big. I know big. I know bigs who don't space are, are totally, you know, whatever, antiquated and aren't really being used. But he could. Uh, Costa Kufas and Buddy Heald are probably the two guys who could play playoff minutes. Uh, I think right now. So, yeah, Costa Kufas next okay. team. So I had a really good, strong feeling that that Sacramento was going to be at the bottom. After right. that, it got hard for me. Like I didn't know who was like the the second worst, second best player. How, how did you pick there? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think for me, I'm picking between uh, the Suns. I think the Suns are the biggest question mark for me. And then weirdly, um, I went with the Mavericks. Okay. And this could be wrong. This can make people angry. I, again, the Mavericks are, I don't know if you believe in Luka Doncic and everything you read about it, maybe he's their best player starting this season, but I've, I've never seen the guy play NBA basketball. I've only seen like, you know, some Euro basket. Uh, I went with 
Harrison Barnes as being their best player. Okay. And and then Dirk Nowitzki as being their second best player. Still 40-year-old Dirk as the pick and pop threat. And I have him uh, as the 14th, what is this, the second worst, second best player <laughs> in the Western Conference. Okay. And I, don't know, I don't know if that's offensive. No, uh, no, I, I think my, that's... My number 13 and 14 are very close. I feel like I have some clarity after these, these first few, but uh, I'm going with Dirk Nowitzki. Okay. I, uh, I just had a weird feeling about the Clippers. Like, you look at that roster, and it's like, they've got 13 good players. Yeah. But after Tobias Harris, like, who do I really, really like? I just... There's so many guys that get hurt, like Gallinari, Patrick Beverly, uh, Avery Bradley. They, you know, they always play like 50 games a season, so like, can you really count on them? I like Montreal Harris, but uh, you know, Boban, Mike Scott, uh, Baamute. I mean, there's so many guys there that I think are productive NBA players, but like none of them seem like a number two dog behind a superstar. They all seem like the fourth or fifth best player. Right, so I, went you with haven't, a, you, I went with Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley. <laughs> so you didn't. Shrug. You you in that list of players, you did not mention the guy I picked for my second best Clipper, and that's that's Lou Williams. I feel like yeah, I feel yeah. like Lou Williams is way better than Avery Bradley. But I I, I did I, I went with Tobias as my best player on the Clippers. He looking just ahead. seems like again I and remember then, I was using the prop of like a playoff series. He right. seems like a guy that gets exposed in playoffs. Well, he does. I, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, that is, uh, you know, that is the question. But yeah. I feel like Avery, Avery Bradley is one of those guys who I don't understand. I feel like he, he looks like he's a very useful 3 and D player. But right. then I know, like, analytics are, like, terrible for him. Yeah. They're always, like, his defensive rating is always so terrible and his on-off numbers aren't great. And then, I, I don't know. But I guess, like, would I mean... Do you think, I guess, like, I think Avery Bradley is worse than Dirk Nowitzki, but I think Lou Williams is better than Dirk Nowitzki, but I don't know. Again, subjective. I wouldn't get mad at you for, uh, yeah. for going no, there. I, I no, think, I think Avery Bradley is decidedly worse than Nowitzki. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> All right, so who did you have, who did you have uh, climbing up as sort so, of the So third climbing up, here? I go to the Suns, who, yeah. uh, you know, the, their best player, Devin Booker, I, you know, if I could, if I could pick a rookie for their second best player, maybe Mikael Bridges. That's right. Oh. That's a DeAndre. That's a DeAndre Ayton shot curveball. No, I went with their second best player as being T.J. Warren, and I'm pretty sure T.J. Warren is is better right now than Dirk Nowitzki. But again, uh, I don't. I wouldn't stick to my guns if, if you press me. <laughs> but I, I, I have T.J. Warren, second best player on the Suns, is the 13th. Uh, Thirteenth no, worst. I'm not going to hold you to any uh, serious rankings here. We're we're definitely Good. in the shrug portion Good. of it. And and here at thirteen, I had Dallas, and uh-huh. like you, I was picking between Dirk and Barnes. I picked, you know, it's hard to rank because I just don't think Dirk's going to be durable enough. But like when he's out there, I think he's probably a better player. Uh huh. Just in terms of you know what can he do in 25 minutes? He can do a lot. He's not going to play 35 minutes, so I don't know how you factor all that in. So. I put Barnes a second best, which combi- completely violates what I said last week because I wanted to pick Corver as the second best Cav, and then I just kind of punted on it because I didn't think he was going to play enough minutes. I'm trying to think who's the second best Cav in my mind. That's ugly. <laughs> I had J.R. Smith. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's not J.R. Smith, Kevin. I'm sorry. It is no longer J.R. Smith. I know he's going to fall off a cliff. I know that's coming. 
Yeah. All right. So I, th- I think I think that happened. I don't know if you're oh. uh, <laughs> followed it closely. I think that already happened. All right. So I think we're on twelve. Yep, twelve. I went to the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. Uh, I I think I think next best behind LeBron, I think it's Brandon Ingram. I kind of wrestled with both uh, Lonzo Ball, who I, I'm a big Lonzo Ball believer, right. but I, I think I'm going to lean Brandon Ingram as my uh, as my second best player on the Lakers as the twelfth best second man in the West. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that one. Uh, I have. Oh. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But I had I had Phoenix at twelve, and like you, Booker is the best player. So I put Aiton as their second best player. I had Warren right there. I didn't. Yeah, it's so hard with the rookies, you know. Toss up. I think he'll be kind of mediocre floor, mediocre ceiling, which I guess isn't great for a number one overall pick. But right. you know, he'll be fine. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Nothing to get excited about. All right, we'll, we'll go to the next one. Eleven. So eleven is my Clippers and Lou Williams, and I, I kind of was thinking I wanted to go a rookie with like I, I'm actually a big fan of uh, of of Shea Gildress Alexander. I think he might right. be awesome. I think there's a chance he could be incredible. It could be their second best player, but I uh, I think Tobias is the best player. Lou Williams, second best player. All right. At eleven, I I was identical to you with the Lakers. So. There we go. So we're, we're still all square. Bottom, bottom five. <laughs> we square. We square. We, yeah, exactly. This is good. If I didn't this bury is... the Clippers, we would have been pretty similar there. Right. All yeah, right. We so number ten. Lockstep. All right. So I want to say we got through the embarrassing ones. I feel like <laughs> I feel like the next ten players are are all quite good. Okay. Um, I have tenth my favorite team, the Memphis Grizzlies, and I have Mike Conley as the second best player behind Mark Gasol. Two years ago, Mike Conley, I'm pretty sure, was better than Mark Gasol. Right. But, you know, he, he's, all, he's hurt. He, he missed so much time last year. Maybe he wouldn't have missed the whole season if they were still in a playoff chase. But I don't trust his health at all. Gasol took the big step back last year, it seemed like. But I feel like a lot of that was just kind of circumstance. And I trust him, even though he's old, to get back to being more of the Mark Gasol, both sides of the ball, being, being a good, very effective NBA player. So I have Mike Conley, mainly due to injury concerns, as the second best Grizzly. And is it a good thing that Marcus Gasol is the best Grizzly? No, it's not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they're my 10th second best uh, player in the West. You're so responsible. Like, you're, you're based in Nashville, is that correct? Or somewhere yes. close to yeah. Nashville? Nashville. And so you talk about the Grizzlies pretty much more than any other team. Is that a... Fair that's, assumption. That's that's fair. Okay. And usually, when you talk to like a blogger or a podcaster from their team, you know, and you do this kind of a team by team ranking, they completely overvalue. I, I have Memphis <laughs> up a few spots from you. I'm, you just you're very. I'm I'm proud I'm pretty, of how responsibly I am, I am you like, undertook this I'm, exercise. I'm very pessimistic on Mike Conley's health. <laughs> I, he's posting like Instagram videos of him dunking, but they're all in slow mo, and I, I don't like that at all. Like oh. I want to see I want to see some regular unedited video real time of what he's doing. Don't show me any more slow-mo dunks. Like I don't, I don't trust it. Uh, I, I'm worried about it. And again, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that Mark Gasol is going to be very good again. I feel like the national conversation around Mark Gasol, he's being underrated now. People are being like, you know, he, he's, he's done. I, I think he can still be, you know, borderline all-star level again. Uh, and maybe Jaron Jackson Jr. will be awesome, but no, my optimism overall for the Grizzlies is uh, measured. 
right. Well, no, I have no. so many Grizzlies questions, so we'll come back to good. them for a big okay, segment good. at the end. But uh, nice. I, so, I, well, who, who who was your ten? I had Gary Harris. I didn't. Oh. Really... <laughs> oh no. No, that, no, yeah. that's great. I, I actually, no, that, I, I got I got Nuggets coming up soon. I'm I'm probably nuggets. optimistic about Conley's health. Like I took it into uh-huh. consideration, but in the actual ranking of players. I think I took it more into consideration, like within the realm of the Grizzlies versus within the realm of like all fifteen teams. Right. So I think in the in the with respect to the fifteen teams, I was very optimistic about his health. I was a little less optimistic when I was comparing him to to Mark. So yeah, I put Gary Harris here. I mean, there's a lot of talent in the West. I between like six and ten. I just have like another lump of players that I kind of shrugged. I mean, I kind of know they fit here, but I, as far as like ranking them six to ten, it was kind of eh. <laughs> so I'm I'm with you. My I, I I got a lump where I'm not sure about the separation between six and and ten. I guess I can throw Conley in there uh, for any Grizzlies fans listening. Uh, like they're they're all lumped together. I think it's interesting who you chose on Denver. I got Denver coming up in a couple picks. Okay. Uh, but I, I I I do not pick Gary Harris as, as the second best right. uh, Nugget. Good tease. Who did you have at yeah. nine? Hey. Well, so at nine, I have C.J. McCollum. Okay. From the Portland Trailblazers. So I have the Trailblazers at nine. And again, these guys are are very very close. I think healthy Mike Conley is a better player than C.J. McCollum. But right now. C.J. McCollum doesn't really miss games, mm-hmm. and he's he's much younger. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I I think he's better. Uh, and Damian Lillard obviously is is their best player. Yeah, I mean he averaged twenty three points a game last season, and does it efficiently. So I mean, and and he, he can that. hit. I mean he has like arguably the most I don't know the most important NBA skill now. It seems to be the ability to hit a three pointer off the dribble or to pull up and hit a three pointer like when a defense goes under a screen. Right. I feel like that's what makes all these good teams go. A lot of teams don't have that. The Blazers have it. A couple guys, and just so having a CJ McCollum, like he could just do. I feel like a lot of teams, if the Blazers things don't go right and they they decide to you know shuffle things around. He's a guy who I think who could be huge on a lot of teams who just need that extra pop from the outside. Maybe a, a guy who can score. Um, so yeah, I'm a pretty big CJ McCollum fan, but no, he's the he's my ninth best, ninth best, second best player. <laughs> okay. Uh, I I think Portland is like just kind of. I think they're gonna have a hard year. Like they were third or whatever in the West last year, but right, it was like a fake third. Well, they and were I, was they were what two games up on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm yeah. not not joking. No, three through nine, three through nine were were separated by like two games or something. Yeah, and then they they lost Ed Davis and and they I got just, trucked in the playoffs. And they okay. got trucked in the playoffs. <laughs> that, that doesn't that doesn't when you get trucked in the playoffs and then you just run it back. You're like, yeah, our squad's good. Let's just let's just do that again. And I think like they're that, even I don't worse. I don't feel like I don't feel like Trailblazer fans are especially optimistic that I that I hear from. So yeah, this is uh, I don't know. It's interesting, like how if they can keep that that whatever it takes that spark that keeps you motivating and going into practice and going into your games. Cause like, I feel like Dame and CJ have been so outspoken in, in social media and mm-hmm. it does seem like the whole mood around again, like I said, their fans is kind of, it's kind of off that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of positive momentum uh, no. heading their way. They, they exactly. All right. So I had LaMarcus Aldridge at number nine. I, okay. And this, this whole lump here, I don't know. I guess that would make Demar their best player, right? Again, you know they 
separating between those two kind of seems like splitting hairs. But uh, yeah, so so this is this is so we're we're all packed together here. So okay. I'm I'm gonna spit out my next two. Okay. Because so you had Denver at ten. I have Denver at eight. I went I went with Paul Millsap as as their second best player. Okay. And I, I really wrestled with it. Nikola Jokic being their best player. I think um, Jamal Murray, I'm like very optimistic about him this season. Um, after the All-Star break last year, like Jamal Murray, or something like the last 60 games of last year, Jamal Murray averaged 18 points per game on 40% three-point shooting, like 47% from the field. So like he was on, uh, if you throw out like the first 20 games where he, where he was shot some terrible percentages. So I think he's going to grow, and he's super young. He's like 21 or 22. So actually, I think maybe Jamal Murray might be my second or third best player. And then I have Gary Harris as like their fourth best player, which is fine because they're all packed together. Exactly. All those guys are, are so talented. Uh, but I, I went with Paul Millsap still. And you know all about Paul Millsap from your, you know, from, from, from the Hawks. But the, the, the times they were healthy last year, the Nuggets with Millsap and Jokic, they were actually they were very dominant. So, uh, so for eight, I put, it, I put in Paul Millsap as second best player. And then jumping ahead to the seven, that's where I put the Spurs. And, and I went with DeRozan, thinking okay. I have LaMarcus Aldridge. Again, splitting hairs, if, if you yelled at me, I, I, would, I would concede. I'd be like, all right, okay, fine. He can, you know, we, can, we can go with our Aldridge. But uh, yeah, I have, I have Aldridge as their best player, and then DeMar DeRozan right behind him. And I think DeMar DeRozan is better than Paul Millsap, is better than CJ McCollum. Eh, toss-up. That's fair. Yeah, I, I'm in the same knot here. In fact, I've lost track of who I've said and who I haven't. But when I did Denver... Like some of these, I wrote the second best player and I put like a parenthetical note because I thought there were others that were close. And for sure. Denver, I had Millsap and Murray. Like they're they're close. Yeah. And then, yeah. So like I said before, my nine was Aldridge. My eight was CJ McCollum. Just same reasoning as you. Okay. I'm depressed you. about the Portland's outlook for this season. I think the West is so stacked. <laughs> they're, they're in for it. All right. So who's your seven? So I did my so I did my seven, which was the Spurs, oh, okay. and, and then my eight was gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. we got a little con- I mean obviously no. confused. My eight was Denver. So my my I was nine nine CJ McCollum, yep. eight Paul Millsap, seven DeRozan. So looking for your seven. Okay, so I did seven. I had Mike Conley seven. There we go. Same, so we're, we're still all square. As you and now we we've, we've lopped off the same nine teams and we have the same six teams left. Yeah, I right. see. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, no, we do. So we here's do. where I think so, it's really interesting. Like, who did you put six? So uh, I think I think six. I feel comfortable about this because I, I feel like this is still part of of the next of, of the tier we're still in. Oh, I have six. The Pelicans, Drew Holiday. It's exact same here. Yeah, I kind of I, I had a feeling. I felt like that's the right answer. I think that's uh, the right you know I, I think obviously he uh, annihilated CJ McCollum. Uh, in the playoffs, so that head-to-head look, I'm fine with putting him above there. Uh, Drew Holiday, I think he's better than those Nuggets guys. And then uh, DeMar DeRozan or Drew Holiday? Now, that's an interesting question. I, I, I lean Drew Holiday being better I because agree. of you know the defense, obviously, and then the three-point threat. However, if you need nonstop scoring, if you need it like a bucket, if you need that mid-range attack, I mean, there's, there's no one better than DeMar DeRozan. So... Uh, again, if there's any DeRozan fans who are upset about being slighted by <laughs> never made an all-star game, Drew Holiday, uh, I think he's never... No, he made one on the, on the Sixers. 
Never made it a Western Conference All-Star game, Drew Holiday uh, being there. But yeah, so we both have Drew Holiday at six. Right. Nice synergy. Nice. All right, so now we've got the same five left. Who would you have at five? I have, let me see if I got to add any caveats. Oh, yeah, this will be good. Uh-oh. Okay. At five, I put the Utah Jazz. Oh, okay. However, I really wrestled with this. Uh-huh. And... Again, feel free to dismiss my opinion. I, I went with Rudy Gobert as their second best player. I have I have Donovan Mitchell as their best player, and that might be wild. But my thought on Rudy Gobert is he's pretty much the best center in the NBA. He is such a dominant force when he's out there the last you know three seasons. The Jazz are a dominant defensive team. They've made the second round of the playoffs two years in a row, which is incredible for the Western Conference. That's like a very rare feat. When you throw, when you throw out uh, the Warriors, not many Western Conference teams have made the second round in consecutive seasons, and the Jazz have done that based on Rudy Gobert anchoring the team. However, I feel like scoring, creation of offense is just such, it's a more important ability to have. And I feel like Gobert got exposed a bit by the Rockets in the playoffs where he could not, he was helpless against the pick and rolls of the Rockets of James Harden and Chris Paul. He couldn't show on the guards and it it was kind of a mess where I feel like Rudy Gobert is dependent on having someone there with him to like fully activate himself. Sure. So that's a very long explanation. Like if I can only have one person on the team, if I'm starting a team, I want Donovan Mitchell as opposed to Rudy Gobert. I feel like Rudy Gobert needs to be hooked up to something. He's like he's like a power. He needs a power supply. When he's all by himself, he can be exposed. But if, if you put him with another good player, like he, he works that way. So again, very long, excessive explanation for why I put uh, Rudy Gobert as my fifth best, second best player in the West. Other than other than like where we put the the team, like when I get to Utah, that's like the perfect explanation. I mean, I have no qualms about that at all. Uh, All right. But I put Paul George. Okay. At five. It was hard. Like, here I was like, Stephen Adams, Paul George, Stephen Adams, Paul George, because you said that Gobert might be the best center in the game. and But at the same time, he can kind of get in situations where he's not as useful. Like, there are situations where he just, he doesn't fit. And I right. feel like that's less the case for Adams. Like, he's a traditional big, but there's never a bad fit for him. Like, Seems like no matter what's out there, he, he does all right. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you know pummeling a small team on the offensive glass or you know just a- anything like that, and no matter what the situation, he, it's never really a bad idea to have him out there. So it was kind of painful to put him three, but I like Paul George enough that that I put I put him as the fifth best, second best player. Fifth in the West. best, second best player. <laughs> That's good. I almost want to get hot takey. My because my my fourth one. I wrote Paul George. Okay. But I, I can I can entertain an argument that Paul George is a better player than Russell Westbrook. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, I, know I, I thought Westbrook about it for a second. More, he's a more dominant player. He does more amazing things. But, like, does Paul George do more things than contribute to winning basketball games? Yes. That's the age-old question with a lot of the guys. Like, I, I, I don't know. But I, I won't go all hot takey. I, I will concede – Russell Westbrook is the best player on the Thunder, and and I put Paul George, like you, right in this mix, above Rudy Gobert, but as the fourth best, second best player in the Western Conference. So my fourth best, second best player, I think it's where I get a little hot takey, 
I put Carl okay. Anthony Towns. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I just think Jimmy Butler, like you said, you know, who contributes to like winning basketball games? I just feel like it's Butler, like with his competitiveness. Is I think he's just a gamer. I worry about him a little bit with injuries. You know, how many games a season is he going to play? But in a very ugly way, he was good in the playoffs against the Rockets. I guess mm-hmm. you know, and that was an amazing. That's an amazing Rockets team, really. And the Timberwolves gave him a good ride, and it wasn't because of Carl Anthony Towns. It was because of Butler and. Like, the things Butler did, they weren't very glamorous. Like, some of the shots, they were just ugly-ass shots around the rim or things that kind of floated in. Or he got to the free-throw line a lot in awkward ways, but I don't know. He looked good. I I, I believe in him still. So, I put Carl Anthony Towns here, which, I don't know, feels a little hot-takey, but I'm willing to live with it. It's good. I, I really, really wrestled with it. So again, this, this leads a, a perfect segue in, into my third. Okay. Uh, my third spot. I put, I put Jimmy Butler. Okay. I wrestled. I, I thought about putting Jimmy Butler. Like, I feel like Jimmy Butler, when I think about it, I feel like he's better than Carl Anthony Towns for all the reasons you spelled out. But I think because of injury concerns, it's like a tie to me. And so I guess t- I'm going tiebreaker. I'll go to Carl Anthony Towns. Um, over Jimmy Butler, but I, I, could, I could be wrong here. And then I was trying to decide, like, is Jimmy Butler, like, is Paul George and Jimmy Butler, like, like, who is the better player? Like, Paul George has more of the physical attributes you want. He has better size. He's a better defender. Uh, and he does some of the, the other things. He, he's a better shooter from three, in my mind. I actually haven't looked that up. But, uh, like, Jimmy Butler, again, better creator. and has more of, like, a, I don't know, um, an intangible quality where I feel like Jimmy Butler, he's a gamer. He's a winner. Like he, he makes plays type thing. Uh, so I really like Jimmy Butler, but, uh, I decided to go with towns as being the better player and Jimmy Butler as, as my third best, second best player in the West. Okay. I like it. Uh, I kind of agree with you in the sense that I felt like if we do this again in nine months or 12 months or whatever, Uh like I think the answer will be Carl Anthony towns. Then I just, (laughs) <laughs> I feel like if you just freeze this moment in time, you're you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it will be. You know, I think it'll be a clear answer of Towns in 12 months. So if anybody listens to this nine months from now, don't say "ha ha, I told you so" because I think the answer was well, is, will be Towns. is, is well. I mean, point of order: Is Jimmy Butler healthy right now? I have no idea. See, I'm not. I'm not sure he's ready to play basketball right now. I can I can look that up. So I mean, maybe <laughs> technically. Maybe it is. Uh, well, while you look it up, I'll say that my number three was Rudy uh-huh. Gobert for all the reasons you enumerated. Yeah. I, you know, I had Ingles as kind of a, one of the threes that at least made you kind of scratch your head and assess things. But oh, but, come, yeah, c- come on, come on now, NBA Twitter. Let's not let's not get carried away. I just I mean, so Jimmy. I mean, Joe Ingles like, is not in that conversation of, of their top. I mean, it's like it, we have these two peaks of Gobert, and then you know, I agree. But, Mitchell, and then then favors. I I I don't think I put Ingles over favors. Although Ingles, I guess, is a more important just, as a wing. He averaged four point eight assists. Like he doesn't handle the ball. It's and, awesome. And he averaged four point eight assists. You have to be such a good passer to do that. And then to do that and shoot forty four percent from three. I mean, that's just like if you put him on any team, he plays. Yeah. You put him on the Warriors, he plays. Like, that's true. <laughs> he'd true. be out there in the final five. If he's on the Warriors, he's he's out there, you know, with thirty seconds left. 
Like, over DeMarcus Cousins? Yes. That's scorching. Yeah. No, he plays. I have controversial DeMarcus Cousins takes, so I'm not going to speak up here. <laughs> I'm going to save those for my show, Fast Break Breakfast. So is Jimmy Butler healthy? Uh, it's hard to say. Right. I think so. Yeah, probably I've, been seeing all, I've been seeing him on Instagram. He was hanging out with the U.S. men's soccer team in New Jersey, and then he was with uh, Demarius Thomas in Denver. Yeah, he had a he had a meniscus injury. You know, everything says he should be ready for training camp. There's nothing that's none of this is recent. So, okay. well, yeah, you're right. Jimmy Butler's better than Carl Anthony Towns. I concede. So two's probably pretty easy, isn't it? Do we we both have Chris Paul then? Yes. Okay. Yeah, two's pretty easy. That's easy. All right. So one. I mean, I feel. <laughs> I think. Curry is the most important player on the Warriors and thus possibly the most important player in the NBA. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's wildness. I mean, obviously if LeBron James, Kevin Durant, you know, they're, they're up there, but I feel like if you had Kevin Durant and a bunch of average guys and Steph Curry and a bunch of average guys, I'd rather have the point guard who sets everybody up, who can shoot from 35 feet comfortably. I feel like that team might be better. So for the sake of the content, Kevin, uh, I'll say I'll say Kevin Durant is the second best player on the Warriors. That's right. I'm I'm a blog boy coming at you, Kevin. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they're both incredible, and maybe Kevin Durant's better because he's seven feet tall. Uh, but I'll I'll go Kevin Durant is the is the second best player on the Warriors. Thus, the best second best player in the Western Conference. All right, I have no issue with that at all. <laughs> I I mean that that sounds right to me. I mean, I saw the I saw my Grizzlies beat up a Kevin Durant led Thunder team, where Russell Westbrook was injured. Russell Westbrook was injured, uh, you know, several years ago, and that team had a lot of talent on it besides Kevin Durant. And the Grizzlies beat him in five. Uh, and so I don't feel like a Steph Curry led team in his prime surrounded by other decently good players uh, would have that much trouble with this again. A Grizzly squad, and maybe I'm biased. Maybe I get unbiased because I, I've seen the the Mr. Unreliable headlines in, in the whatever that Oklahoma <laughs> paper was. I've seen my Grizzlies go toe to toe with Kevin Durant his entire career up until he joined the Warriors. So, uh, and Steph Curry was a guy who was like, no, that guy's incredible. I don't know what you do against that. So, I, I, maybe that is my my built-in. Grizzlies biases, biases where I, I think Steph Curry is more frightening, and thus I give him the nod. I, I have, yeah. <laughs> this is too easy because I, I agree with pretty much everything you say. I get, you said something about Steph maybe being the most important player in the NBA, and I'd probably go with LeBron for that. But right, I don't think Steph gets enough credit. It's crazy. Like I don't think he does he might either. Be the most un- underrated player in the NBA. Like I just don't think he gets enough credit. Like when even like little stuff like the mood of the locker room, which probably has a lot to do with Kerr. But if I think yeah. you put, if you put Russell Westbrook on Steve Kerr's team, I don't think oh. that atmosphere is anything like it is. We, we, you know, if you have Curry instead, like I think that would be a incredible contrast as good as I, Kerr is. I, compl- I mean, I completely agree. I, I think the most egregious award ever given out was that Andre Iguodala finals MVP it was outrageous in the time. Like, in the moment, it was outrageous. And, like, I know, I'm pretty sure Zach Lowe voted for Andre Iguodala, and he wrote very eloquently, like, why this was the choice. 
I was blown away. Like, Steph Curry had one bad shooting game. His averages were incredible for that series, and they were, like, double-teaming Steph Curry once he crossed half court. <laughs> like, everything that happened was because they were terrified of, of Steph Curry. And it, I, couldn't, I could not understand how the groupthink led all these smart NBA minds to be like, yep, Iguodala, most valuable player of the finals. Like, what did you even watch? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Man, yeah, that that that, that really, I, I I'll, I'll never get over that one. I, I, that's completely fair. So speaking of uh, Steph Curry, yeah, uh, the guy who drafted him when he was in Golden State, Travis yeah. Link, he made some yeah. choices this off season, and it kind of affected the Grizzlies, <laughs> and it kind of affected the Mavericks, and it definitely affected the Hawks. Have you, and, Kevin, have you seen the image? Uh, it's a meme of, of someone tracing a cat on a piece of paper. No. And so the person tracing the cat is labeled Travis Schlink. The cat is labeled the Warriors. And then there's like this piece of paper where a child has drawn this hilariously awful outline of the cat where they trace <laughs> the cat. And that is labeled the Hawks. And that is, that is the perfect meme for the Atlanta Hawks. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Good luck with that. I, I I still have complete faith in in his ability to do things. Uh, you know, I wonder a little bit, like, you know, you never know with these things, like how much was ownership involved. You know, yeah. W- what were the mandates in that regard? And I can't, I can't I still imagine think what the mandates that, like, were. Yeah, I mean, give give me give me a small chucker. We need a small chucker. <laughs> we don't want to take the best players out there. Let's, let's get a let's get let's get someone tiny. Well, you know, there's there's a certain amount of buzz around some of these players and <laughs> you know could could sell tickets and things like that. So I mean and even so I think I mean I don't think that was a bad trade getting a first round pick next season. I think No, that that, 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 that part of it's good. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean so and and I think oh wow, like Bill Simmons has been like merciless, like he keeps talking about the Hawks like they've been in the lottery for 12 years in a row, and I don't understand why. It's, he keeps saying, you know, if, if you need something, call Sacramento, Atlanta, or Phoenix. And it's like, well, those, he, those he three did, teams have had different outcomes. Right. Lately. He did lose his mind, I remember, about – he thought, the, he thought the, the, the Schroeder trade was like the worst thing ever. <laughs> he thought that was like the worst deal he'd ever heard of. And I was like, no, it was a, it was a good trade. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good. Like <laughs> they got rid of Dennis Schroeder's contract. The guy is—he does not help winning. I don't care. I don't care if he helps your fantasy basketball team. Uh, I don't. At least again, this is this is my opinion. Yeah, don't, I not, mean, don't think he helps winning. I think he'll be good. Like if 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 you're in a situation where you're playing the Warriors, he'll be useful as far as like breaking down, switching defenses. Like he he's yes. good against that. Like he'll he'll take the switch pull back, go one-on-one, and unless it's like an all-world defender, he's going to probably get, you know, a reasonable outcome out of it. So I think he'll help. I think, you know, he's a much better fit in Oklahoma City than he was in Atlanta, to be honest. Uh, So, I mean, it's fair. And anyways, what I like about that trade for the Hawks is that that might be the double draft where it's like the high schoolers come in for the first year. Right. So that, that might be a loaded draft. So That sounds like a good PR angle to sell your fans. Yeah, why not? (laughs) <laughs> all right so in all of that the grizzlies ended up with jaron jackson jr yes sir so when you were staring at that number four pick a week before the draft was that a good outcome for that pick 
I am so ignorant when it comes to the draft that I can't even I can't even respond on, on my the, the by my pre-draft feelings were just all based on hoping Luka Doncic was available, and then when it became apparent that you know the Hawks were giving up Luka Doncic, I didn't understand why the Grizzlies couldn't make that deal somehow. Uh, but you know, so so. Getting Jaron Jackson out of it all beforehand, I, I had no idea. I knew people that I liked were telling me Jaron Jackson Jr. was was the the best ho- case scenario for the Grizzlies, and and now after watching him all play all of his summer league games, I, I definitely feel like best case scenario. This was a a transformational draft for the Grizzlies franchise, kind of looking into uh, as it were Jaron Jackson Jr. So what did you like about it? Was it the eight threes against the Hawks? It it was in fact the eight threes <laughs> against the Hawks. Uh, yeah, he's already had a game with eight threes and a game with seven blocks. I think in, in summer league, no player's ever done that in the NBA. I, I looked that up. Oh no, actually Dirk had Dirk Nowitzki, I believe, is the uh, only player to have uh, eight threes in a game and also in another game. Never in the same game, but uh, seven blocks. So no, yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr. blew my mind when I saw him in summer league. When it was like this was what. The people who were high on him, they were saying, like, his, he moves like a wing. He has, like, the body control where he's not a loafing, lumbering big guy. And then he's, has a, he has that innate ability at defense at blocking shots. And he's, he's got a stroke, and, and he can kind of dribble a little bit. And I'm like, well, that sounds all amazing. And then seeing it in practice, I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy excited for Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, he looks like... We've been getting, I mean, obviously we get a little carried away on our show, but because two of us are, are big Grizzlies fans, but like he looks kind of like, you know, like a Chris Bosch sort of, but the fact that he can almost dribble and he just turned 19, <laughs> like they were trying to get him to beat guys off the dribble from the top of the key in summer league. And he was doing it pretty well. It's not, it was obviously very raw and it's not going to work a lot. His finishing was, was pretty bad, honestly, when it came to that, but just seeing again, a guy who's almost seven feet tall, who demonstrated the ability, like you said, in that Hawks game to hit three-pointers, seeing him put the ball on the floor was just like, whoa, that's awesome. And again, all of that, that's just offense. His biggest strength is he's an incredible shot blocker, and he's like, a, he's a communicator. I know if you want to get deep into the Grizzlies' hive mind, and like, they're all talking about how they needed to get guys who communicated on defense. Mark Gasol was angry that no one was ever talking Jaron Jackson Jr. just quarterbacks the defense. Like he just he talks the whole time he's out there on summer league. They were telling the the little anecdote of he was already reading an out of bounds play in one of the in, in, end of game scenarios in Vegas. Like he was telling his teammates what the play was, to like to break it up. So I'm no, I'm very excited. I have again, I have a lot of Grizzlies pessimism, but none of it for Jaron Jackson Jr. Bill Russell with a three point stroke. <laughs> That's all. That's all. <laughs> hey, it's like you know, it's like, it's like a mix of you know Chris Bosh and Kevin Garnett, but but with a handle. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, yeah, like going into the draft, what? I was like, and I still feel the same way. It's just like if you had to pick one player out of this draft and say, "Oh, that guy's going to play 16 seasons in the NBA," uh-huh. I think it's Jackson. Yeah. Well, you and and you you saw up close, right? You saw up close him hitting the the, uh, the eight three pointers in the half quarter in the in the little shimmy. Yeah, I I, I saw it twice. I. I was sitting there at Utah Summer League, and man, they treat you right. They give you like the media row is basically just the courtside seats. So yeah. Like when he shot that forty footer at halftime, he was like much closer to me than he was to the actual basket. 
That's nice. <laughs> and then I, I went to a bar after the oh, game yeah? at Utah. Oh, and I was, again, I was sitting so close to the seat that I could just kind of see my little bald head just kind of scrolling back and forth <laughs> on the bottom of the screen as they panned up and down the court. No, it's, uh, yeah, I was saying I got to get to Utah. I actually looked into flights because I've heard it's a little easier for us independent podcasters or, or myself, independent podcaster, to get media access. And again, the media right on the front row. That's a stop. That's I've enjoyable. seen your guest list over the last month, and you just have to stop with the whole small time podcaster bit. I am a small time. Have you tried to get credentials? I've never gotten credentials for Vegas Summer League. They don't ever. They, that's impossible. Really? I can't. I can't. I can't show them my guest list and say, "Let me in." They don't. Well, All I gotta say, I, you, you gotta know, have Memphis stick up for you. Are you are you tight with them? Well, I'm, I'm kind of. I'm getting there. I, okay. I, I, I went to the Grizzlies as like a, as like a, a Hail Mary, as like a last second Hail Mary. Next year, I need to start there. I need to start with the Grizzlies. Like, you guys need to get me in. Because they, they, know, they know me. They know. They, exactly. I mean, they, they, helped me get, they helped me get Jerry Stackhouse on the show. Appreciate you. You know, like that, 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 was, that was a big goal. But uh, I'm, I got some things working. Uh, you know, we, may, we might have broken some news on our show a, a few weeks ago. Um, and we might we might have to take some things out at the request of the NBA, and so you know I got some phone numbers now, you know, some, some people to ask some favors for. <laughs> so you had to you had to like pre-edit or did you post-edit like after it was already available no, to the I public? You can't divulge. I, I, I've said too much. Wow. Too much. All right, I'm not going to get you in trouble. Okay, so like with <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah. he's he's the son of a professional athlete, much like yeah. Mike Conley yeah. Jr. Does he have that? pros pro demeanor like conley does well i haven't i haven't been around him but he seems to he seems to in every little media soundbite i've heard every little blurb that's been made public and then everything that the, the people in memphis talk about they say he's he is he's got that w- winning personality that you enjoy being around him you enjoy talking to him and he makes a very solid impression when you meet him so for whatever that's worth he has that in addition to what we've seen you know with the on the court ability I mean, Mike Conley's just like, I don't know if it's because I'm media, but he's just so damn lovable. Like, that guy. He's, lo- <laughs> he's a little vanilla, though. I mean, he's a little vanilla. Okay. He likes, he likes his fashion. Like, he likes to dress up. But right. if you ask him a question, he will not give you an interesting answer, is my experience okay. and or. We, we, we did that for a few seasons with Al Horford. Like, again, yeah. like he's just a pro's pro, but. You you did not if you were looking for like a soundbite, right. he was not your go-to guy. Right, Mike will happily answer any question and smile and look right at you, but he won't say anything interesting. That's okay. that's, that's that's my opinion. So how do the Grizzlies make this work? If 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 like Jackson is like a key player from day one, does he fit next to Gasol at the same time on the floor? And if so, how? I think he definitely does because those guys can both shoot. That is just, I think that's just a, a big, massive part of it. You, you have Gasol, who two years ago, he shot just about 40% on three-pointers, and that's and he didn't take any corner threes. So he was shooting above the break all of right. his three-pointers, and he hit 40% of them. So he can stretch the floor that way. He, Jaron Jackson Jr. has, it appears to have some, you know, that ability I talked about to be a little light on his feet, to get to the bucket, to to put the ball on the floor so I think they can coexist um, in that way. Obviously, the switching four and five is not going to be great, but I think with just with their length and communication, it's not going to be that big of an issue. It's like, will like will the Warriors and the Rockets pick them apart? Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah, name like, the rookie not, that they want. Yeah, yeah. 
That's like, uh, you know, yeah, no, we, we can't guard all those people. You know, that, that, that's fine. Like, uh, do, do we want switches with LeBron being on one of them? No, but like, they're both smart enough. They're both big enough. And they're, I think they're both willing passers. I mean, Gasol, obviously, everyone knows is a good passer. Jaron Jackson Jr. looks like he, he's looking for people, again, based just on Summer League. I don't know any of his college experience. But he looks like he, he keeps his head up. And so I think the Grizzlies have gone all in this season on basketball IQ. They kind of excised the non-basketball IQ players. Like, they had some of the worst just guys who didn't know, know how to play basketball the last few years on their team. And my biggest criticism of the Grizzlies the last few seasons has been that they just filled up the end of their bench with fringe NBA guys. It was like they had six or seven or eight NBA players and then seven guys you're not sure should be in the actual NBA. And they've, they've completely gotten rid of that where now – they upgraded like the eight through 13 spots on the bench into like actual NBA rotation guys. So all that put together, I think, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. And Gasol can exist on the court at the same time. I, I don't think it's a stretch to have Jaron Jackson Jr. Play power forward. I mean, he's, he's kind of small as far as his frame. He hasn't bulked up where it's just his, his muscles yet. You know, he's still a kid. He's still 19. So I think, he has enough mobility to guard almost, you know, most of the guys who will be playing power forward. Obviously, as the NBA moves towards having just like one big and a bunch of wings, he'll have some issues. But then, you know, those guys will have issues keeping him off the glass and keeping him from recovering. Like, I think he's going to surprise some guys who try to blow by him and he's going to pick their pocket or he's going to pin their, their shot on the glass. So I'm not worried because, again, those guys assuming, well, if Mike Conley plays you know, there'll be another th- a good three-point shooter. But, like, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Marcus Hall might be the Grizzlies' two best three-point shooters on what will be the opening night lineup. Because, again, I'm pessimistic on Mike Conley's health. Okay. So, I would be excited about the Grizzlies if they uh-huh. were in the Eastern Conference. Oh, sure. <laughs> right? Like, when we did this, I, I found yeah. my list from last week. So, some of my second best players... Marvin Williams, uh-huh. R.A. Carroll, Evan Fournier, Wendell Carter, J.R. Smith, which correctly you pointed out, he's not their second that's, best player. That's insane. It should have been Corver. I screwed that up. <laughs> but the East is awful. The West right. is the opposite. Like for years in Atlanta, we heard that you're not going to win a championship. You're not going to make a conference finals. Blow it up, blow it up, blow it up. And then. You know, you've got the Grizzlies, and they're in this weird kind of purgatory where they've got talented players coming back that weren't there. They won, I don't know, 19, 25 games, whatever it was last season. And they went out and spent some money on kind of what you might call mid-level contracts, right? Yep. Like they brought in – Garrett Temple was a trade, but, you know, his salary is what it is. And they, they threw a bunch of money at Kyle Anderson, so – they're going for it, so to speak. Is that the right thing that they should be doing? I'm in the minority, I think, among national NBA type people where I, I do think it's what they should be doing. I don't think they're I don't think the value of just trading and blowing it up for the sake of blowing it up has a proven success record. I, I think people are always like, oh, they should trademark Gasol. And my take is like for what? Like what are you gonna get? What asset, what team out there is like, oh, we really want Marc Gasol. We will give you a decent first-round pick. There's there's almost none out there. Right. And so I, I don't think 
acquiring multiple second round picks in like maybe you get a young rotation player like I don't know like like a Kelly Oubre who a team maybe doesn't want to sign next year you know just as a random that fit obviously doesn't make any sense with with the teams but my thought is I'm not going to find a player who's going to give you more on the court than Gasol is going to get in the next couple of years and I would rather Mark Gasol teach young players how to play I would rather teams you know, do like the Houston Rockets approach of, of never blowing it up, of just retooling, getting good. Like it, it worked out for the Grizzlies last year. They they didn't. They started the season going for it. They obviously it all fell apart. And then okay, then they audibled into tank it out, and they ended up with maybe the best prospect in the entire draft. So like, they've already gotten the the lightning bolt of luck this year, in in my opinion. Like I. I I, I've never been one that just says, like, you need to blow it up for any reason. Like, should you make um, imprudent moves that, that hamstring your ability to make future moves? I, I think, you know, no. But if you look at the Kyle Anderson signing, the Grizzlies were going to have some cap room possibly next summer. Okay. But the entire league was going to have 2019 salary cap room, and the Grizzlies weren't going to have four than like 20 teams or something like 20 teams were going to have more salary cap room. Right. So I think they looked at it as we're not going to sign a big player next year. Like no one's going to come here. We're going to lose out to the Lakers and to the Knicks and, and to the other teams with big cap space. Let's use our cap space now on a guy we think is a smart young player who can be a starter for years to come in Kyle Anderson. So let's use this tool we have now in, in the full mid-level exception and not worry as much about trying to, carve out a bunch of cap space next year. Because again, like if someone was offering you a King's Ransom for Mike Conley, like I would take it personally. You know, sure. I love Mike Conley because I have the health concerns. I don't think there's going to be a big offer for a Mark Gasol. And, and I, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't understand trading those two guys, Mike and Mark, for the hope uh, of like a lottery ticket. And I say lottery ticket, not as in a lottery pick of like, I hope the 27th pick turns out to be good. Those guys <laughs> technically hardly ever turn out to be good. You know, right. like you, you don't end up with these guys um, late in the draft who end up changing your franchise. So yes, the Grizzlies might not be a title team, you know, anytime soon, but in our market, in the market of Grizzlies fans and the Grizzlies fans I talked to, we liked where we were. The Grizzlies were legit contenders for like three years, and they had a six or seven year run where they were very good. And most people, a lot of people, don't remember that the Grizzlies were like a top five team for some of those years, but like they were. But by, by any measurement, um, you know, they made it to the Western Conference Finals. They, they took the Warriors to six games despite Mike Conley's broken face and Tony Allen being out in that series. So, like, they've had a good run, and I feel like in some small markets, that's enough. Like, I think. Speaking for most Grizzlies fans, I think we feel that's enough is being competitive, you know, winning most of your regular season games and then having a shot in the playoffs. That's an enjoyable that that's that's why we watch sports. That's like why we watch basketball. It's not an all or nothing championship or bust. So like I support kind of every move they made this offseason. Last season, I thought the moves were terrible. Like last season, I was angry. Right. I was like, if you're going for it, you don't you don't fill your roster with seven G League guys. Like there's no there's no point. You're either going for it or you're not going for it. What you guys have chosen to do is get rid of Zach Randolph and Tony Allen and say we're rebuilding, but you're rebuilding with garbage players who were garbage at the time they were signed. And you're like, why would we <laughs> do this for these guys? Like these guys, they can't play basketball. Uh, and 
So this year, I do like that they've done. Like, let's bring in some guys. Let's bring in Garrett Temple, who knows how to play basketball at least. And he's a long. He's he's a veteran. He's been around. He like has the most ten day contracts ever or something. You know, like he's <laughs> he worked his way into the league. Uh, like a Shelvin Mack. Like good. He, that guy's a second, a third point guard. He can show Andrew Harrison some stuff. He can learn some stuff. Uh, so let's just have some smarter players. And then you know you hope if Jaron Jackson Jr. is eighty percent of like the hyperbolic buildup I gave him earlier. If he becomes like a future, future all-star, then you're well positioned to go forward. All right. Now, you know, Mike Conley, Marcus all into their careers, you know, Jared Jackson jr. Is now, you know, two years in the future, Jared Jackson jr. Is 21. So we're going to build around him. So I don't see, I don't see anything they've done in quote unquote going for it this season that hampers their ability to build the next great Grizzlies team around Jared Jackson jr. In a few years, when the when the Chandler Parsons contract is over in two years, you know, for example. So I, I do. I actually I really like what they did. I think they're going to be a fun, competitive team this year. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team unless everything breaks right. You know, obviously the health is the big thing with the team. So that was a very long um, soliloquy about <laughs> the Grizzlies. And uh, I, I, the answer being yes, I, I, I approve as a fan of what they've done this offseason. And I think it's fine to not try to blow it up, to sell it off for parts. You know, if someone offers you something for Jermichael Green this year in his expiring deal, good. Like, he's a decent player. Like, the Grizzlies front court rotation of Jaron Jackson Jr., Jermichael Green, Mark Gasol, that's really, really, really good. Like, I, I'm r- r- really happy for that. But if someone offers you something for Jermichael Green that makes your team better next year, fine except that deal like don't turn it down thinking like no no no, we we need to win 40 games this year and like like don't do that but so far what they've done i'm i'm, I'm at peace with and it seems like a welcome change from the last couple years uh, of their roster building okay uh speaking of long soliloquies have i kept you beyond your time you have two like two two or three minutes uh, for some quick hitters yeah i i, I got I, since i just gave a 10 minute answer i i can give you two more two more <laughs> All right, so just just give me some impressions of, of these three players. Uh, uh-huh. Wayne Selden. Okay. What, 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 oh, what to my. make of him? Like, I saw him in Summer League. I want to know what you think before I say anything. So Wayne Selden is, is, is a Summer League Kobe. Like, he, he, he's stronger than every Summer League player, but he's not quite strong enough to do that in the in NBA games. Okay. So, like, in Summer League, he can score almost at will, so he looks very dominant. I'm kind of high on Wayne Selden. He's he's very inconsistent on his scoring. He's been hurt the last couple of years. Like he only played, I think, he, what he played, 40 games last year, maybe. Uh, he has a decent stroke. Like he, I feel like he shot slightly above league average, maybe 37, 38 percent from three last year. Uh, I'm optimistic he can put that. in a oh, lot no, of. It was 40 percent last year. Higher. There you go. So 40% from three last year, obviously in a, in a lost season, you know, just not worrying what he was doing. Uh, I feel like he's in the running to be the starting two guard. Who starts at the two is the big question for the Grizzlies. Okay. Uh, I, I'm optimistic on him. Uh, you know, like he, he, he's probably like an NBA eighth or ninth man on a okay team on like, okay. like a, a mid forties win team. Uh, but he does still have some of that potential cause he, he's very strong and he looks like, you know, he could stick as long as he can stay healthy. I like, yeah, it was, he looked like a, the grown-up. I mean, I guess he was the grown-up in Summer League because he's almost 24 years old. Right. And like you say, really, really <laughs> strong. He just, he looked like the teacher out there with, like, the kids at recess. Like, I don't know. Yes. He looked like he knew what he was doing when no one else did in some of those games. And I'm really impressed by him. I, 
I think, you know, yeah, like his, you say, he might be the starting two guard. His his biggest question the last two years has been, can he do that when he's the fifth option on the court? You know, like okay. when in summer league, when it's like you're the man, go get it, he can go get it. But when you're in the NBA and he's not good enough to put up 20 points, can he be like you're the fifth guy, just sit in the corner, just attack when the ball comes to you? So that that that's, I guess, his, his biggest question mark. So was he kind of a meaningless game hero, like, did he do better in like March when the games absolutely meant nothing and pretty much the minutes well, were there to be had for not, anybody who could like dribble? It, that's not really, it's not fair to say for him for last year because he was hurt okay. for the first half of the season. So he wasn't there at the beginning. The year before, he was playing playoff minutes against the Spurs and was acquitting himself nicely. Like you, if you go back and watch the highlights of these incredible Kawhi versus Conley battles from two years ago where the Grizzlies took the Spurs in six games, it was a very exciting series. Wayne Selden is out there for a lot of like winning time. Like it, it's kind of crazy. Like you, you see these lineups where it's like, it's Mark Gasol, uh, Mike Conley and Oh my God, Andrew Harrison, James Innes and Wayne Selden. And like, that's the five man lineup and they're going toe to toe with, you know, the Kawhi and the Spurs. So he, he, he showed stuff in the playoffs before. So he's not, not just a garbage time here. Okay. Very good. Um, on a on a scale from zero being nothing to ten being grit and grind, how do you feel about Javon Carter? Uh, zero. <laughs> really? I don't. I, again, I, I don't. I don't know anything about him. It seemed like the biggest PR pick of all time. <laughs> it seems like they're they're trying to as much as I as I, I feel like I complimented the front office earlier. I did feel like the offseason was a was a, a hair too much on. We're going all in on grit and grind is back. Look at this guy. <laughs> Like they, they put out this story like he came in for his workout. He blew his shoes out. He didn't have any extra shoes. He's like, I don't have any shoes. So we gave him a pair of shoes. He worked so hard. He blew his shoes out. He plays defense. I'm like, you guys are selling it too hard. I don't believe in it. And so, like, again, I, I, I don't follow college. So I, I'm speaking admittedly ignorantly about his ability just based on summer league. I was like, whatever. I, I didn't I didn't see it in summer league. And the fact that they sold it so hard is the future of grit and grind. Give me a zero on that zero to ten scale. Wow, is I'm he not, on the I'm opening not, night roster? Uh, yeah, he should be. They're, they're okay. not going to throw away a second round pick after okay. they've thrown thrown away th- like three of their last four. Oh. Uh, where they where they cut guys they give guaranteed contracts to. We're, we're still paying <laughs> Roddy Zagarats. Uh, I guess Wade. Baldwin I had a Wade Baldwin joke queued up, and then somehow I didn't squeeze it in where I had planned to squeeze it in. I'm I feel kind of gypped now that I missed that. Where did I write that down? Uh, Damn it! I don't I don't know, but. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, what was it? The seventeenth pick. That twenty six. That twenty sixteen uh, Grizzlies offseason should be studied for decades to come. <laughs> All right. So the third player, was... he's not even a Grizzly anymore. Deontay Davis. Okay. Yes. How do you feel not about an NBA that player. trade? He's not, not an, an NBA, NBA player. player. Okay. Good. Uh, I agree. My my my. I make the joke a lot on Fast Break Breakfast when I go to Vegas Summer League. The first time I see all these NBA guys, the first time I see these young guys, right? And I like to make snap judgments. And I watched Jonathan Davis play for you know a minute. It was like that guy's not an NBA player. Like I don't I don't care if he's 19. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he, like he, 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 I don't know what he's supposed to do. He's not a rim runner. Like he, he's sort of a shot blocker, but he doesn't like rotate or he's not fast. He doesn't seem to jump that high. So uh, through, I guess two years later, I'm still feeling pre- pretty good about oh. uh, about snap judgment. You're absolutely not not correct. an NBA player. <laughs> he was he was awful at summer league. 
<laughs> I also felt that way about Wade Baldwin when I saw Wade Baldwin play the first time. I'm like, oh, is he a guard? What is this? What does he do? He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Although I, I, I feel like he has shown a lot of, a lot of good promise. I feel, I feel like he, he could be an okay, like a, a, a bench two guard okay. or something for, for the Trailblazers. Yeah, but Davis, no. No unnecessary Wade Baldwin slander, I guess. I don't have well, to do that you. anymore. This was fun. I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to do this. And uh, best of luck with the, the podcast. I, I enjoy it very much. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, thanks for asking me to come on. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, sir. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.